Good evening and welcome to the Speak Easy podcast. Welcome to the Sunday evening wind down and the Sunday evening wind down. Today, I am so happy. It's Father's Day, and I just want to wish all the fathers out there a very happy Father's Day. I hope you are all enjoying your days. What we have with us this evening, why Renee Cooper, motivational speaker, women's advocate, and so good evening, why Renee, how are you? I'm wonderful, Ms. Costas, how are you? I am wonderful, and I thank you so much for joining us this evening to share with us on this Father's Day Sunday. Um, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. So, why, Renee, tell us what your platform is, who you are, and just, just tell us about why, Renee. Well, I am why, Renee, and I hail from outside the great city of Chicago, Illinois. Um, I am a 15-year domestic abuse survivor, four-time suicide attempt survivor, and I survived being gunned down. I was shot four times in my lower back about 13 years ago. Um, I am an advocate for um, DV and suicide prevention. Um, I also have, um, I mean, I work a nine to five like most people, but I have other passions and stuff that I do on the side when I'm not running my own non-for-profit organization for My Voice Matters. Excuse me, I'm a little hoarse. I've been yelling all day. Um, I have a non-for-profit organization called For My Voice Matters. And so... When I'm not doing that or working my nine to five, I'm out touring, speaking, and doing things of that nature. So that's that's really about it. I'm a very simple person. Okay. Simple is good sometimes. Simple is good. Yes, so, ma'am. Tell us about your nonprofit. For My Voice Matters, again, is a not-for-profit organization that is geared towards assisting people coming out of domestic abusive relationships or in domestic abusive relationships and also bringing uh, more awareness to suicide um, to prevent it. So my organization started in um, fall of 2015 after I shared my story on it, my first platform at a domestic violence walk. And then I became an actual 501c3 in 2018. Excited to say my organization is not the run of a mill or basic type of um, domestic violence organization that you probably are used to with shelters, with locations that people can actually come to for help. I'm the connector. So what happens is people may call me for assistance, but I have a arsenal of actual agencies throughout the United States that I refer people to. So excited to say that um, in the last, um, since I became a 501c3, we have helped several people with like um, those people who may be suffering from financial abuse from their partner, um, which is just a branch of it. And they may need to make groceries for their children or things like that. We give stipends. Um, I've actually been able to shelter people like in an overnight stay at a hotel for a while or for a couple of days till they get back up on their feet or till they figure out what their next move is. Um, and then in 2020, I started the underground um, Harriet Tubman Underground Railroad Initiative, which we've actually helped um, so far. I believe it's four families to relocate. Um, from wherever their situation was that did not want to keep them there. We actually helped them move from either um, within the state 
or from one side of the country to the other, whether it be with a moving van, plane tickets, first and last month security. So those are the things that my not-for-profit do. So like I said, I'm just a connector. So that means basically people, um, I'm like the go-to person or the middleman. So if you have an agency, then I'll refer someone to you, especially if you have a shelter or if you, uh, if you have more resources than I do. So that's what I, I pretty much do for, for My Voice Matters. Okay, so how would one find your organization? How would we get it? If someone needed services, how would they reach that? I'm going to post it here on the banner so that people okay. can see it. So the name right of your organization again. It's four. It's the number four. My Voice Matters. NFP. Um. Right now, the best way to find me would be on Facebook. For My Voice Matters has a page. I'm doing some revamping. Um, I had to change my website domain. So I'm in the process of adding the For My Voice Matters page to my regular website, which is um, www.renacoopper.com. That's why reneecooper.com. And um, what else? Um, all my information will be on the website, or either, like I said, if you hit me through Messenger or on my fa on the Facebook page for For My Voice Matters. Thank you so much. You know, thank you so much. Very helpful. And you know, when people speak of domestic violence, they leave out the piece about financial abuse. Yes, ma'am. Because that does happen. And they, they tend to overlook that they focus on the physical abuse. They focus on the mental abuse, but they don't focus on that financial abuse. When that woman has been stripped of resources because she has depended on that man and that partner for so long and he withholds that. And she's not able to take care of her children. And so people tend to overlook that. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you brought that up and included that in your discussion. So why, Renee, tell us, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Why? That's a nice question to ask. Why, Renee? Um, That's right. <laughs> I, um, why do I do what I do? After surviving many years of abuse, after um, re remembering, because I've actually kind of suppressed the information for years or maybe not even suppressed. I just didn't share with people, but after coming after surviving suicide and then also losing my life, the reason why I do what I do is because I love to empower people to understand that no matter what life throws you trauma, you know, family, friends, job, whatever have you, you don't have to take it. You're stronger than what you think you are. And you can thrive in your after. After is after anything that you feel has you in a place called stuck. So if you can pull out of it, you're a survivor. And so my why is I love to see people live their best life when they, when they think that they've reached their lowest point. That is totally amazing. That is totally amazing because sometimes we find ourselves in that place called stuck and we don't know which way to turn. We don't know who to reach out to or if there's anyone available to reach out to. 
Yes. So I like that you mentioned that place called stuck and helping individuals to come out of that space. So you mentioned that you were gunned down. Um, just kind of walk us and you survived that. So just kind of walk us through that. Well, it was um, a December in Chicago and I was coming home from a church service. Um, pretty much two months and two days before this particular date, uh, my ex-husband and I had separated by him throwing me out of my home. So I was back with living with my parents. And um, I came home from a church service. And as I was going up to my doorstep, uh, a person came from behind a tree. And when I seen them on my angle, I thought, you know, they may try to do something to my entire family. So I walked them. I kind of went back to my car to divert them from the house. And when I got back at, halfway back to my car, the person called me out of my name and they pulled a pistol. And I thought it was just a normal robbery. However, um, after looking his eyes and they were two of the coldest eyes I ever seen in my life, I realized it was more to it than, than that. And, you know, the the average African-American person um, or people of color generally, you uh, you run first, ask questions later. And so I turned to go back to my, so when I seen the gun, I turned to run to the porch and that's when he shot me the first time. And when I fell, he came over and shot me three more times. Now, the miracle, uh, other than the fact being I'm here to talk to you now, is the fact being that I was shot four times, two bullets ricocheted off of every organ in my body, except for my heart. Um, I was paralyzed for two and a half days. I was up walking by the fifth day and out of the hospital by the eighth day. And I just really know because of my relationship with God, there's, there's no other reason why I'm here to be able to share my story. If I didn't tell anybody what I, what, if I didn't tell you what I had been through, you would never know um, because I don't walk or look like what I've been through. Um, and when I say walk, I mean, you know, people sometimes have a tendency, whether it be depression, whether it be, um, they just don't know how to handle it, whether it be attention seekers, which is another form of depression and things like that. Um, Anytime you've been through something traumatic, if you look like what you've been through, you're bringing more um, depression, you're bringing more opposition, you're bringing more um, pain to what's going on with you as opposed to every day is not going to be a great day. However, if you profess that it is, if you talk to yourself, if I'm big on affirmations, if you affirm that today is going to be a great day, um, may not be a perfect day because we now necessarily know what perfect days look like. However, I believe the day would improve. I believe that your day would be great. And when you walk around depressed, holding your head down and not really understanding that, you know, the moment is not promised. Not even, we're not even talking about, you know, tomorrow's not promised, which is the old cliche. We're learning in these times, you know, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Costas and I can get off this line right now. And one of us could one of us, one of our family members could be posting that we're gone just because life is too short and it's unpredictable and no man knows the day nor the hour. So walking through that day or going back through that night, the biggest thing I get from takeaway is one or two things I take away is I thank God I'm still here to be able to share my story. And two, I don't have to act or look like what I've been through. Amen. Amen. 
And so you also mentioned that you were a victim of domestic abuse. Were these two incidents related, your abuse and your attack, were they related? Um, if you ask the average man, they'll probably tell you no. However, um, with me being thrown two months and two days uh, out of my home before being shot, it looks kind of suspect. I can say without a shadow of a doubt, my ex-husband was not the person who shot me. However, if you, I believe in the pit of my ever-loving being until probably Jesus Christ himself come back and tell me differently, I'm going to always believe that he has something to do with it, even though he was not the one to pull the trigger. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, we just thank God that you survived it. Amen. And that you're able to tell your story to others who may be going through a similar situation. And yes. that they can see that you were able to overcome and that they can overcome as well. So I thank you for what you do. I thank you for what you do because there's so many women that live this nightmare every day, year after year. And they just yes. don't, know how to, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. And then children grow up seeing this and then they perpetuate <clears throat> behaviors. And so what do you, what advice do you have for someone who is in a domestic abuse situation at this time? Let me just be very clear. My first instinct, of course, with anybody would say, run, run till you can't run no more. But reality dictates and statistics dictate that most people that are in those relationships, um, it's not as easy as just pick up your bags, pack your stuff and go. It's not that easy. You know, so I tell people all the time, if you're in the abusive relationship and you you have to want to be ready to go, don't let anybody um, make up your mind for you. And the reason why I said that is your family, your friends and everybody would want, could want what's best for you. However, if you're truly not ready to go, what will happen is, unfortunately, somehow, some way you'll get manipulated into returning. So I always tell people, be sure this is really what you want to do. So you don't want to go back and forth. Don't let anybody make your mind up for you because you have to be ready because so many things are going to change. Um, also, for those people who are the family members, the friends, or the acquaintances of the victim, hopefully to turn survivor. Man, don't be judgmental. Um, the whole, I wouldn't, I would never do that if I was in their shoes, this, that, and other, that stuff, it goes right out the window. I always tell people never say never. Because um, I can honestly say, me speaking, um, coming up before I met my ex-husband, it was, I ain't never going to let nobody put their hands on me, yada, yada, yada. And I was somebody who was known in school and by my friends as a strong individual. I'm not going to say I will fight if the drop of a dime, but I ain't had no problem, you know, handling business if necessary. And when these same people who I went to school with found out, you know, after, after the relationship was over with about me being um, a victim turned survivor, they were like, they never, they could never see me putting myself in that type of situation. I will be the person that, you know, and plus that was something I said. So never say never. And please don't judge the person who comes to you, or even if you suspect it and find out they're scared because they're embarrassed because they're fearful of what their mate may say or find out. Um, they don't want to be judged by family members or things like that. So 
if you're going to be the listening ear and be a support system, be just that. Know you want to give your opinion, know you want what's best for them, but until they're ready to talk about it, until they're ready to take action, at least if they're coming to you, confiding you in some shape, form, or fashion, because most times, I would say at least, um, this is Renee's statistic, probably like 95% of the time, they're embarrassed and they're fearful, so they don't feel like they have anybody they can talk to. So if you're being that listening ear and not being judgmental, just make sure um, you're very supportive, to say the least. And anybody going through, if you can and you're ready, there's a national domestic abuse hotline that you can call, or there's your local congressman you can call, or if you need to reach out to For My Voice Matters, I can always direct you to a number and help you get the information that you need to help you to be successful in your in your flight. Wow, that is amazing. So I have all this information on the little ticker running below here so people can see it. But, you know, I'm, I'm listening to what you say, and you said that you were always a strong person. You had no problem handling business when you were growing up. So walk us to... What was going on? I mean, how, you know, you were a strong person. You're with this person. I'm sure you thought they were Mr. Wonderful. How did you go from that strong person to a state of being a victim? 99.9% .9 of the abusers are narcissistic people. Um, my ex-husband, and this is for women, not all women, but I would say probably most women. We're emotional creatures by nature. We we want to love, we want to be loved, but we love to nurture. So when narcissist people know that and they play on that stuff, um, that's how they weasel their way in. So I could say my ex-husband at the time he wasn't bad on the eyes. Um, he was very charismatic. Charismatic. He was concerning, and we we were together about a year maybe a little bit over a year by the time um, the first abuse happened. And, you know, the typical person, I'm not going to put his hand on me again, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Um, I actually stood strong for three weeks. I didn't talk to him, didn't accept him. Then he started sending flowers and apologizing and then talking to people. Not necessarily telling people what had happened because I didn't tell anybody either. But, you know, that whole um, that whole you know, uh, we just had a falling out. Could you help me get it back together type stuff? And he knew I wasn't going to tell. And he wasn't going to tell nobody he was jumping on me either. Or that not even jumping on me at the time that the uh, the slap happened. So um, for me, you know, and I tell people all the time, you don't fall. You don't fall in love with an abuser. Meaning if I'm walking down the street and I see this, abuse, this guy abusing somebody, I'm not going to stop him from abusing beating on a girl and say, hey, you know what? Quit beating on her. Come date me. You know, when you meet somebody, you don't know they're an abuser and the way they do things, it's not until you well in and they know they're kind of in your head. They they got you. They in your head about stuff. So uh, my ex-husband was definitely in my head. And uh, it, it took me a while because I'm also a woman of great faith and I, I believe in institutional marriage. So I struggled not only with the fact being that I was being abused, my ex-husband was an adulterer, but I was beating myself up 
with my understanding at the time of what covenant was, the covenant I made between my ex-husband, myself, and God at the time. I was more afraid of breaking the covenant with God than I was uh, my own safety or uh, my own livelihood. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. So did you seek any spiritual guidance at that time? Or you just kind of kept everything to yourself? Um, you know, I was in, I, I went and joined my best friend's and husband, my two best friends, their church. I joined their church right after I got out of the hospital. Um, but they prayed with me. They talked to me. However, um, spiritually, help on that level, no. Um, I ran into some issues about maybe, because you may be asking, I'm going to assume this is the next question you're going to ask. But um, I ran into some trouble when I went back to work as far as my mental. So I was diagnosed maybe six or seven months afterwards with post-traumatic stress disorder. So after that, I needed to seek professional help. And um, in the midst of getting the professional help, I still can't stay connected to my church family. Okay, great, great. And so what I tell people, a lot of people seem to feel that church and mental health Catholic can't coexist. That is not true. That is not true. You know, they should, they should, and people are doing it more so now than before. Exactly, exactly. And you know, a lot of people look to the church for answers, and sometimes the church is not the answer because they don't have the answer. Right. And that's when the professionals come in. So I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you highlighted that. So, what is coming up next for Why Renee? Oh wow! So um, the Level Up Tour 2022 will begin on Saturday, June 25th. That is our first city of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, the Level Up Tour is a tour for aspiring and emerging speakers, and we offer some coaching, some different things, packages. But it's an opportunity for you to grace a stage. If you're starting to get in the speaker arena, you're doing your best to be noticed, but things are opening, uh, doors are not opening for you. This is the platform that you want to be on. So we're doing five cities with Baltimore being our first city. Then we're doing Jackson, Mississippi in July. Um, Chicago, Illinois, August. September, Charlotte, North Carolina. And Atlanta, Georgia is in October. Wow. For more information, you can go to the website and there's a tab that says Level Up Tour. Okay. Okay. Great. So that is so exciting. So I'm exciting. So we both were on stage together in Paris. Yes. So do you have any other plans for international speaking engagements? Actually, I just got back from Mexico. I spoke in Mexico this past weekend at a mastermind. Wow. Okay. Wow. wow. So, um, but that's a part of a team that I'm on. So, um, I mean, but it still counts because I'm over there coaching and things like that. So. Okay. Um, anything international? No, not, um, I've been invited to a couple places, but the timing wasn't correct or, uh, what they was offering, um, just didn't sit right with me. So I declined them. Um, I'm not sure what ho what happens next year. Who knows? I may create my own opportunity overseas as opposed to just here in the state. So I tell we'll you what, I would not be surprised and I'm looking forward to it. And if you do, you can count me in. I will be <laughs> yes, right there. I will be right there, right there. So, yes, ma'am. You got it. Thank you so much. Why, Renee Cooper, Domestic Violence 
and mental health awareness advocate, motivational speaker, and women's advocate. I thank you so much for coming today, sharing your story, um, just teaching and showing women that they may be in a place of stuck, but they don't have to remain stuck. I appreciate you so much for that. And again, to all the fathers, happy Father's Day. And for those mothers out there, like myself, who serve that dual role of mother and father, I commend you as well. Enjoy your day tomorrow as well, because you should be celebrated too, because you did that thing all by yourself and with the help of God. So until next week at the Speakeasy Podcast, God bless you. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy your week.